all, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, welcome to the newest episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast, taped live at the Twitch and brought to you on YouTube, on Spotify, on Google and Apple Podcasts. I'm Austin. I'm a knockout watcher of a lot of wrestling. I'm David. I'm a noob. Haven't watched nearly as much wrestling, and I'm uh, still deeply disturbed by the fact that we're supposed to sympathize with Gorilla Monsoon's assertion that uh, Andre the Giant got a lobotomy. Yeah, so today we return to 1987 to prime time wrestling. The last episode that we're going to watch on this seg- on this segment of the training. This was a short arc, dude. Oh, no, it's still going five episodes, but we're, this is, is the last it? time we're watching prime time. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah, because next one's WrestleMania. Oh, shit, buddy. Yep. So... We continue to watch uh, 1987 WWF on the road to WrestleMania 3. And it's honestly been a lot of fun. It really has. Uh, in ways that I haven't suspected. I mean, what's, what's been fun about this is a, like, yeah, it's cool to watch the lead up to the great Clash of the Giants, one of the most legendary WrestleMania matches of all time. Um, but it's also funny. It's, it's also been insanely funny to see, like, how we were supposed to interpret the quote-unquote morality of this story in the day versus how it feels now with kind Mm -hmm. of modern sensibilities and knowing what we know about Terry Bollea as a person. Right. So, to recap for those who haven't been with us along the way, so far we have watched uh, for is the story of Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan where uh, Hulk Hogan got a trophy for being the WWF champion for three years. Mm -hmm. And Andre then got a noticeably smaller trophy for being undefeated for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And even when that, even when Andre got his trophy, Hulk Hogan showed up to make it all about himself. And this led to Bobby Heenan uh, getting, getting signing Andre the giant as his newest client. And Andre turned heel, heel, to challenge Hulk Hogan for at WrestleMania for the WWF title. And Hulk Hogan was beside himself, uh, driving, driving uh, through Dallas. Uh, oh, I, oh, I can't do the meme. Damn it! Can't do the NBA meme. Anyway, he was <laughs> beside himself, uh, frantic, and he just couldn't understand how his friend could betray him like this man, not seeing the toxicity in his behavior yep. at all. You, you know, it, it dawns on me too that the way we ended the last episode, it was really cool because he's on he's on uh, uh, Rowdy, Rowdy Roddy Piper's show um, and Roddy Piper, you know, is like, is asking Hulk if he'll go up against Andre if he'll accept the challenge and Hulk Hogan yells out yes. Like, Cool as a moment as that is, and cool as it's going to be that we're going to get to see the two of them fight it out. Fucking fucking hype for that. It's going to be awesome. But that's also, in some ways, a reflection of that toxic personality from Hogan, too. Like, instead of, like, instead of being like, you know what? Actually, maybe this dispute belongs outside of the ring. Maybe I should just, like, take some time to talk shit out with my friend and, you know, feel out what's going on. It's still kind of a clout chase for him. And kind of a, I still want to retain my title. Like, like Hulk Hogan can't just let let it go. Can't just be like, you know what, Andre, you're undefeated for 15 years, 
And if you feel that hurt about it, fucking have the title. It means less to me than our friendship. But no, he's still got to fight for it because everything in this damn universe has to be resolved with fighting. I know I'm complaining about the whole premise yeah, of like right. wrestling and it's stupid of me to do that. But like, God, if it's Absolutely. not another permanent encapsulation of everything wrong with Hulk Hogan's a fucking person. Yeah, sorry, then this is wrestling. Absolutely nothing is solved by healthy communication. It could. Th- also, in-universe, like, okay, I know out-of-universe, obviously, Hulk Hogan is the megastar here, so he's the one that's going to get the, the, the big title. How in-universe they justify Andre the fucking giant is undefeated for 15 years and has never held the title? How the hell do they justify that? Well, don't think about it. <laughs> no, come on! Like you can the the three year the most recent three years is justified by the story beat of supposedly Hogan is afraid of Andre and Andre was just too nice to ever ask for a title match. Yeah, well, okay, well, except in in actual kayfabe, it's not Hogan's afraid of Andre. It's just mm-hmm. it's just hot. Andre has been too humble to ask or whatever. Don't don't ask me about the pri- the prior twelve years or how it's that just like, never happened. He uh, Andre as a character should have aspirations to the title, and if he's undefeated, should be able to to fulfill those aspirations easy as fuck. I just oh, it's dumb. I mean, the out of kayfabe answer is that Andre the Giant was always trusted to be the big attraction player. For the WWF, and he spent a lot of his career also kind of being a regional attraction to people as opposed to being a stable champion. He doesn't have a lot of titles to his name because of that. A lot of his career kind of took advantage to to get into the weeds about the territory system Mm -hmm. is kind of Andre's big MO for a lot of his career was kind of he'd show up to these to a territory He'd st- and be like, whoa, it's Andre the Giant. Look at this guy. And then he's around for a little bit. And then he leaves and goes somewhere else before the local audience gets used to him. Mm. And he just kept doing that over and over and over again. So he uh, he just, so he doesn't have a lot of championships to his name because he wasn't really a stable champion guy. Mm-hmm. But if that's all out of kayfabe and cannot be explained. Yeah, anywhere, yeah. Anywhere. I mean, I mean, th- this is kind of my one issue with like, with like any wrestling thing on a whole is just the the arbitrariety. I don't know if that's an actual word, but the ar- how arbitrary it is that like there's kind of like who who gets slotted where, um, mm-hmm. especially especially in that we have to have like a mega star who's our, like, main character and who holds the title because, I don't know, conventional storytelling. Because he's the best, of course. Yeah, because he's the best. Like, I have that issue with, I have that issue with any wrestling company that does that shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some, some execute it better than others, but, like, fuck, even, like, even in, like, Lucha, which I love, like, Prince Puma as, as ultimate king champion for, for a long time. It, again, it, the, the, just by nature of wrestling, it feels arbitrary because you just can't have a main character in a format like this. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet every single company will attempt to do that anyway. It's like main character, you mean? Main yeah, exactly. So so Andre is, de- is deemed not main character material. He's deemed more tactically useful elsewhere. So that means he can't be main champion for reasons. And it's mm-hmm. stupid. It's always stupid. Right. So, uh, Ho- Hogan and Andre is now set 
Mm-hmm. And tonight will actually feature the contract signing for WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, doing another contract signing, boys. We are back to back contract signings on this podcast. Wait, so have they always been this big in the company? Um, do they have me? You mean like using it as a trope? Uh, using it as a trope and a, and it's like a spectacle trope at that because because contract signing, CM Punk contract signing was a big was a big spectacle segment. Becky Lynch uh, versus Sasha Banks contract signing was a big spectacle segment. Clearly Hogan Andre's uh, contract signing is going to be a big spectacle segment. Like, like it's I, always I, been like this. I'd probably argue it's actually more of a spectacle in this point in time. Like this is not a thing that happens very often at all. Oh shit. Cause like, I don't know. It just feels so modern to do like the, on the floor contract signing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know the exact history of like the first ever contract signing or Fair whatever, enough. but this is def this is definitely more of a novelty at this point in time. This okay. wasn't the kind of thing you you we, that everyone has seen a thousand times before. Mm-hmm. So this so this would kind of be an unexpected thing for the audience to see. Yeah, okay. normally this stuff is just done in how it would work in a real fucking company where all the, where this literal contract signing stuff happens behind closed doors mm-hmm. in private. Yeah. yeah. Fair so that that's the best kind of the main attraction bit for tonight. Uh, also uh, last time we had the firing of Danny Davis. Yes. Well, and, not the, a firing. and the wrestling up of, of Danny Davis. Yes. He got Wrestler suspended enough. for life because he sucks as a referee Yes. And but because he wasn't fired, Jimmy Hart just came in there and was like, "How about I just make him a wrestler?" And apparently, the WWF was cool with that. Yeah, I don't know why. After he was just suspended for life, but sure. Yeah. Uh, other big story stuff: uh, the Dy- the Dynamite Dynamite Kid and the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldogs, Indeed. lost the tag titles to the Hart Foundation. Yeah, very right. sad in a very sad match to watch because Davy Dynamite Kid is so fucked up on injuries right now he can't even walk. So he just spends the whole match lying on the floor. I when I was at when I was at Comic Con over the weekend, I overheard some guys at one point talking about Dynamite Kid, uh, and it just mm-hmm. made me sad. Yeah, <laughs> like, he he, he like, pretty recent. Yeah, he's. I was saying he's pretty f- popular guy, and he recently had the Dark Side of the Ring documentary done about. I, I it, they weren't even they, they were just talking about him in context of like his heyday, but like I just heard mm-hmm. these guys like walk past me talking wrestling and they would like mention that I I heard something something dynamite kid I'm like oh oh yeah yeah oh, no yeah in his heyday he was truly a one of a kind but you know God by yeah, by, no. by 1987 his back is fucked yeah so. I think I heard them discoursing about high flyers uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'd be that'd be an appropriate time to talk about the dynamite kid. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, no, like he he kind of was a pioneer of that shit, but he yeah, was. Rip. Anyway, so that happened. Um, I don't think any other major plot stuff to talk about. I mean, I don't. I, we could revisit, you know, Red Demon versus Lanny Poffo. God, could we? But not? I don't wanna. So. I'd say that was the big things to mention yeah. from what happened last time. So yeah. what happened uh, going forward as, as we've, we've moved the interim is we had uh, the rest of the February 16th episode of 
uh, primetime wrestling. Uh, tonight we're watching the March second episode, by the way. And all that really happened on that episode is uh, that I really care to remember is that Roddy Piper cut a promo, talk, uh, talking about how he is in a quasi retirement match with Adrian Adonis at WrestleMania, and that he's going to win. As in a match to determine who retires? Uh, No, it's actually, I'm pretty sure it's actually a hair versus hair match where loser gets his hair head shaved, but like it's understood this is Roddy Piper's last match. Oh, no. Because right, cause right now Piper's trying to go off to do Hollywood. Uh, did that pan out? Oh wait, no. no, I I know the I know the punchline to this story. It did not. No. He was in They Live, and you know, that's generally when people talk about best movies starring a wrestler, They Live is almost always about at the top of that list. But other was than he, that wait, he wasn't the lead in They Live, was he? Yeah, he was. He's wait, the what the fuck? Roddy Piper was the I came here to kick uh chew bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble what? Gum oh that's, like, that's so his, cool that's his quote in that movie that so, yeah he's he was the lead and they live and that's yeah. about oh. all he did in hollywood yeah no because wait because i remember i remember the john oliver talking about him oh yeah well, mm-hmm. so you know critically acclaimed movie but and that's more than a lot than that's more than hulk hogan ever got i guess yeah but, i have to yeah, say but unfortunately could not parlay that in a real career. Wait. Oh, fuck. He was the maniac on Always Sunny in Philadelphia. That was Roddy Piper. Fuck. I thought in the wrestling ep- in the wrestling episode where well, he's in a, the, in just the, a, the in the washed out wrestler guy. Yeah, he's he he shows up in a few episodes. He's in one of my favorite he he has a he has a, a part a really funny part in uh one of my favorite episodes uh Mac and Dennis get a timeshare. Um where he becomes like the top seller for a pyramid scheme at the end of the episode. It's really funny. Yeah, he he's got some he he was also a star in Pro Wrestlers versus Zombies, David. Pro is that a game? No, it's a movie. It's a B oh. movie. It is what it says on the tin, really. I mean, that sounds like it's dumb fun at least. Yeah, that, it kind of is. Uh but anyway, uh piper he is trying to leave wrestling right now to go do movies in hollywood he will fail and come back to wrestling in a couple of years yeah but this is supposed to be his last match and he's taking on uh, adorable adrian adonis we had the match with him last time where he got blinded by the fumigator with the perfume in it (laughs) I don't know if I remember that even. It wasn't a very we we both said it was a pretty bland match, but okay. Adrian Adonis was the gay stereotype we had last time. Oh, oh, oh. Uh. Anyway, let's let's get to oh, uh also we had an, a return of Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. As you rem- as you might remember, he is currently kayfabe injured. Because uh, the Macho Man tried to crush his throat with a ring bell. Yup. Yeah, and I do remember he, that. He is back now, and he's like, at WrestleMania 3, I got an open contract to face anybody I want. And Macho Man, if you want to live up to your name, then you'll sign my contract for WrestleMania 3. Oh, God. He, he's, he's, God, he's just fucking asking for it. Like Spoiler warning, he will. And Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat will be happening at WrestleMania 3. Nice! Yep. So, what happened on the February 23rd episode? This one I'll go a quick beat by beat on because not a lot actually happened. 
Uh, we had George the Animal Steel versus Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Oh, cool. The match was complete ass. Oh, what a surprise. It was very the, bad. The man who eats turnbuckle pads versus the racism. It was uh, very man. Sounds compelling to me. This is yeah. bad. This is all bad. This is all bad. Uh, we get the announcement that Aretha Franklin will be making a special appearance on WrestleMania 3. Whoopst! Uh, Aretha Franklin, you might know of her. They yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That name sounds familiar. It doth ring a bell. Why do they keep getting all these, like, great prominent female singers to, like, do shit for the WWF in the early 80s? Well, this one in particular is the start of the... Uh, not Actually, it's not the start. The WrestleMania 2 is the start. WrestleMania 2 started the grand tradition of singing America the Beautiful at the start of every WrestleMania. Uh, uh, I according, I, I've once heard a rumor that they chose that because Vince thought it was more patriotic than the national anthem, but <laughs> I've I've never really got dug deep into that. But, I mean, it uh, doesn't matter, but it sounds yeah. about right. At, at WrestleMania 2, Ray Charles played America the Beautiful, and Aretha Franklin will be singing America the Beautiful at WrestleMania 3, and he and and she is one of the more famous performances of that song. Okay, at that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, this is this is during the era where like good celebrities still showed up for WrestleMania. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of dope. Like they got some fucking legendary people in for this. They did. That's uh not we. Yeah, we had Jose Luis Rivera versus Terry Gibbs. Jose Luis Rivera is uh, Puerto Rican, and that is it. He he of wins. Course. It was is he, not is a he, good match. Is he actually Puerto Rican? They're not I believe doing... so, yes. Oh, nice. Yay. Actual is... doing your race. Cool. It's pretty. It was pretty crap. All right. the The big bit was the snake pit, and this I showed this clip to David so that he could watch. But we had a skit of uh, Jake Roberts in his talk show, The Snake Pit, interviewing the Honky Tonk Man, and <laughs> he first uh, the Jake Roberts makes fun of Honky's name. Is like, what kind of name is the Honky Tonk Man? And Honky Tonk Man then claims that Honky hey, my mama Tonk gave Man me. is his bi is his biological is his birth is his given name at birth was the Honky Tonk Man, which like I can I legitimately cannot tell like if that's Honky Tonk Man like bullshitting or if that's like the God's honest truth. I can't. Yeah, I can't tell either. Uh, so then Jake Roberts tries to get Honky Tonk to sing and like takes his snake Damien and is like he loves to he loves hearing songs and honky tonk is terrified of the snake and eventually honky starts singing but he clearly sucks and Jake Roberts like keeps making fun of him so he chases honky tonk man off the set but then honky tonk man goes around the set mm -hmm. and then comes around and Elka bongs Jake Roberts in the head with the guitar it's it's fucking funny because like like i said to you this has the same energy as the like boogs versus sammy zane thing we saw at our at the house show we went to mm -hmm. of like sammy zane being like i swear to god i'm gonna i'm gonna do the music and boogs being like oh yeah fucking do the music 
and then like he's he's like winding up for it and then the last second like something happens to like deter him uh two different things but it was it did feel very similar and i'm like man these tropes just pop up yep. throughout the ages no, they're, they're also a real sick guitar shot there like that oh it was that that one hurt bam oh yeah <laughs> like absolutely nailed him so for this we also after that we got our first wrestlemania 3 report so now you're gonna we're running down the card of wrestlemania and i can't guarantee that we're gonna watch all of these matches but i'm just gonna go ahead and say them all so we can talk mention that is sure. we're gonna get is the can-am connection versus bob orton and don morocco nice okay i can get on board yeah. with that coco beware versus butch reed uh i don't think you've ever seen butch reed mm -mm. yeah he's Coco with he's before. with yeah he's with reverend slick he's just kind of a badass uh, okay uh the killer bees versus uh the iron sheik and nikolai volkov oh christ uh the okay, killer okay. bees brian b blair and another one i don't remember but <laughs> they wear yellow and black and they Damn. call themselves the bees they're really a fan of like the on point uh uh tag team branding i have to say yeah sarah you you know she can volk off it's fine i will uh, say like all the yikes with Sheik aside like she can volk off are a legendary tag team i assume for good reason i am kind of looking forward to that yeah then you got uh, the Billy Jack Haynes versus Hercules Hernandez. Uh, remember, we're full Nelson each other. Uh, <laughs> yup. Yup. We have a mixed tag match between Hillbilly Jim, the Haiti Kid, and Little Beaver versus King Kong Bundy, Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook. It's a mixed tag match. Because the Haiti Kid, Little Beaver, Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook are little people. And oh, so that's oh, what makes oh. it mixed tag. Oh, I got excited that it was actually something kind of cool and they were no. doing like an old school version. Uh, David, audio. Hello, microphone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, anyway. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I will say, like, I fuck. Okay, I got excited for a second because I it sounded like it, it was gonna be like an old school version of we're splitting up tag teams and pitting them against each other. No, okay. No, it's mixed tag because, like, in modern mixed tag rules where men can only wrestle men and women can only wrestle women, in this one, Hillbilly and King Kong can only wrestle each other, and the little people can only wrestle the other little people. I hate it here. Yep. Uh, don't think about it too much. Uh, and that be anyway. one of the ones we skip, please. Uh, I'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we get Harley Race versus uh, Junkyard Dog, where the loser must bow to the winner. Oh, oh man! Uh, I don't know who Harley Race is. I think the I King already... Har the King Harley Race. Oh, oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, uh, well, I think I probably know the punchline to this one. Yeah, uh, the fabulous Arujo brothers. They are French Canadian and oh. against the dream team of Greg Valentine and Brutus Beefcake. Okay. It's probably going to be 
kind of dumb, but whatever. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Macho Man Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat for the Intercontinental title. Nice, nice. In a six-man tag team match, will be the British Bulldogs and Tito Santana against the Hart Foundation and Danny Davis. There it is. There's the punchline. There we go. Yeah. Uh, Roddy Piper's farewell match in a hair versus hair match with adorable Adrian Adonis. Loser gets their head shaved, as mm-hmm. is tradition. And, of course, oh. in our main event, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Giant. That I, is I, the WrestleMania card so far. Nice. Uh, that's, you know, that's that's more information than just when WrestleMania is going to happen. So good job, you outwitted Bobby Heenan. Woohoo! And they do a fan, they do a survey of like who's going to win, Andre or Hogan, and it kind of goes a little fifty-fifty between the fans. Ooh. And in the but the and then they ask the wrestlers, and it's pretty much like all the baby faces pull say Hogan's going to win, and all the heels say Andre's going to win. Wow, original. Yep. Uh, we had Billy Jack Haynes versus King Harley Race. Uh, Heenan showed up to cause a DQ. That's how that one, that's how that ended. It was fine. We got Cowboy Lang versus Lord Littlebrook. Yes, this is time for the midget wrestling match. It's, it's not great in any, oh. in any way at all. I've been hoping, I've been like hoping and praying that just we can like luck into avoiding any like of the little people bullshit uh, yeah. in, on our show. Yeah, hopefully it's not on this episode. Okay. Because thankfully that never made it to the, the, you know, we can skip the WrestleMania one. So hopefully this is going to be, we're going to avoid it. Uh, Black Jack Mulligan versus Jimmy Jack Funk. It's two cowboy dudes fighting. Billy Jack won, whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Islanders, they're what they look like. They're yet another group of Samoans wrestling as a tag team together. Damn. They, they, WWF, slash e have a great great relationship with the samoan isles they and honestly do. i really wish like that's where they hold their cool they're like you know overseas shtick special instead of fucking saudi arabia obviously this uh, american samoa can't pay them five like um 50 million dollars a year i think is what the saudi arabia price tag is christ that it's ridiculous. Anyway, the Islanders win a squash match. Uh, Hulk Ho- and then the the match, the main event of this episode of Primetime Wrestling, Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy for the world title. This is a WrestleMania oh, okay. 2 rematch. It's okay, that's, that's pretty dope, actually. Yeah, Hogan wins with a power slam, hinting, the, you know, the key being that's what he's going to do to Andre. He's going to pick uh, up Andre and slam him. You see, that's uh, we're, we're foreshadowing here. Ah, cool. All right, yeah, and that is uh, what we're going to need for the March 2nd episode. That's what we're going to watch tonight. And so if you guys want to watch the March 2nd, 1987 episode of Primetime Wrestling, you can do so on Peacock, WWE, that's NBC streaming service and WWE's American streaming partner. It is $4.99 a month with, with ads, $9.99 a month without ads, it's not a great service. Sorry, not sorry, Peacock. You don't pay me to. St- you don't. You can't. You that. You don't pay me to do these to to to, to give <laughs> you a glowing review. Though I can be bought. Um, 
Please, God, somebody, somebody pick us up for, for ad space. Hey, uh, yes, you can go on there and primetime wrestling is up is on there. And if not on YouTube, you can, you can watch the old contract signing. That's the big thing. for this. That's the big thing for this episode. Yes. Classic. Right. Yep. Uh, see you guys in the back half for when we want to talk about primetime wrestling. Always. And we are back. We have just finished the March 2nd, 1987 episode of Primetime Wrestling. I, I, I am an unironic Bobby Heenan fan now. Watch, yeah, watching your progression of like how you feel about Gorilla and Bobby has, has been a fun time. I, I like, I did, like, okay, I, 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 I've kind of said this before, like, I, I, like, go back and forth on how I react to heels, because, like, because, like, a lot of times they just kind of legitimately get under my skin and legitimately bother me, because, like, I know they're supposed to be annoying, but God, it gets mm-hmm. old and grating. Um, um, but, like, Bobby Heenan just, he's earned my respect by virtue of being right. He's just fucking correct. I don't care what Kayfabe says. Bobby no. Heenan is right. Well, he is the brain. And Gorilla is fucking full of it. Gorilla, like, this week especially, I'm like, okay, you need to shut the fuck up, dude. Yeah. Gorilla Gorilla talks out his ass sometimes. He talks out his ass, and he's so confident about it. He's he's so, like, he's so fucking hoity-toity, and he needs to shut the hell up. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so with an episode that's a little light on content overall, like, do you want to just go, go in order? I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, like, it was interesting because, like, I the, this is kind of kind of I you know I always like to have my like overarching themes that I like to touch on episode by episode, and like here uh, there was something you said while we were watching that really that really hit with me um, because I found myself getting into some of the wrestling in this um, like I have when um, when we've touched on more modern stuff and it's like. It, it had a momentum to it and some exciting shit that I, I was watching. And I was like, wait, I'm kind of getting into this. At, uh, the, the fighting itself. And Austin's like, yeah, we're wrestling for TV now. And that's what this is starting to feel mm. like. They're really starting to get an, uh, an understanding for the media landscape they're in. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that the storyline-wise, it is like, as it was, I think, in 94, when we talked a lot about like the problems with Brett and Owen, Mm-hmm. In that they already hit the story beat, so now they're just kind of like waiting until the match yeah. happens. Yeah, it, it feels it feels like they're doing that with all the storylines too here. Oh my Except god, absolutely! We're like we already know the matches that are going to happen at WrestleMania, so they're putting no more effort into further progressing those any stories that go on there. They're just like, yep, we're having the match at Mania. Yeah, I mean, this is something that like for all of like modern wwe's faults i'll give them credit for like they've gotten pretty good about pacing over the years yeah like like um, stuff stuff keeps progressing yeah they're not as bad about shit spinning its wheels all the time yeah Um, absolutely but here and like that's i think that's very much and that's very much another one of those attitude era era type of like innovations for their tv production to like it not just be like we do the stuff that gets to cause a match to happen and then we wait for the match once we yeah. announce it like they don't do that anymore yeah and like it 
yeah, they, they definitely could have spaced things out a little better. Because because I was thinking even when we started this episode, like it is why like it feels like we're just ready to go into Andre versus Hogan at at WrestleMania, but we it's not like we're still a little bit away from WrestleMania. Yeah, we're a month we're a month away, and we we're know all out. the matches on the show now. Yeah, and the most we get is the contract signing, and that's probably the last like big thing before WrestleMania hits. It is. Yeah. So what? But and and even the contract signing, like it, it's not like the contract signings that we're used to. Yeah, it's not. No, we're not doing these lengthy monologues and, and story beat stuff. No. Like, like I feel like looking at Sasha and Becky last time, last week, and then the Andre and and Hogan this week is a good way to like see how things have changed in that kind of with that kind of that kind of segment. Yeah, it felt a lot more like candid camera e here, but also mm-hmm. like you know, out of kayfabe, they're still clearly playing for the camera, so it's a little like right. awkward. Um, oh, we'll, but, we'll, talk, we'll get to that. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Which I, um, but what's also interesting too when it comes to like how they're playing things for TV nowadays is like the primetime wrestling framing device because like as I was commenting to you, like the 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 dynamic between gorilla and bobby is this very interesting mix of feeling like authentic and still feeling like kind of awkward mm-hmm. um like they understand they're 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 coming to understand like how they can play things for tv they can have like a, co- a full commentary show with the face versus heel thing um but they still play it as if they're like just normally on commentary and they're just riffing. And so it doesn't feel as like polished. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a beautiful art in in the way that like it it they make it feel like just completely spot like it feels not like how a natural conversation would sound mm-hmm. as opposed to something where like everyone has their lot like no one they're not snappy it doesn't feel like they're always like snap 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 at your lines because mm-hmm. it's all scripted and we know yeah. how that it, it feels like a regular organic conversation going on mm-hmm. why and that's kind of impressive to make that still work for tv yeah and and again like they have a little ways to go in like polishing it so that it can simultaneously feel authentic and feel like presentable for like kind of tv sensibilities um but it is it the, the fact that they capture the authenticity at all is impressive to me because again mm-hmm. it kind of feels like these two guys look legit do not get along yeah um, stilted as it is and it does add a lot to the proceedings because they like the way you set this up for us following this arc with doing it on primetime wrestling is they really are they kind of become the narrative through line for us for this for this whole arc of like yeah this like it honestly feels to me a little bit like like the the interpersonal drama between Hogan and Andre here is secondary to like the interpersonal drama of of like wrestling commentary daddies Bobby Heenan and, and Gorilla Monsoon. They they and how, do like they do uh, take very personal stances in this. Yeah, and Hogan and like I I've called this a proxy war in the past, but this feels like Hogan and Andre are like the fucking like chess pieces of of Gorilla and Heenan like moving toward each other uh as as like they 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 represent a bigger ideal yeah um so 
from there, there's a better point that I'd like to talk more about. What kind yeah. of stuff that Gorilla but and Bobby just as like, were a, but just as like a yeah. setup for what for kind of how I feel about all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so first match of the show is Sika, who has been on this show before. Yeah, our was, boy Sika. Yeah, I think our first. Yes, our first episode with. In the 80s, our second episode yeah. ever, yeah, was we saw on Saturday night's main event, Hulk Hogan wrestle Sika, and he gave it, and he was with an interview where his then manager, Mr. Fuji, yeah, was talking him up, and he was sitting there like eating a chicken. Yeah, Sika was distinctly chickenless and distinctly odd job ripoff characterless, uh, and in, in here, and I think better for the absence of both. <laughs> yeah, here he's just kind of like another Samoan wrestler on the He's just roster. kind of there. Yeah. I and again, he, I love this company's like weirdly uh intimate relationship with wrestlers from the from the American Samoa. Yeah. And he's taking <laughs> on Moon Dog Spot. Now, like I told David is like I liked to think that I knew a lot of the wrestlers from the 80s WWF yeah, it feels like every time we watch one of these episodes, there's at least one wrestler. I'm like, who? Yeah, you're like, who? Yeah, yeah, you're like, what? Whoops. Who? And Moon Dog Spot has earned that that spot. <laughs> Weren't there a couple that you're like, I don't really know this dude. Uh, I didn't know who. I didn't know some of the ones I mentioned in the front half, but in oh, terms okay. of like what we watched together, like so this one was Moon Dog Spot. Okay. Uh, there are others you just like hadn't seen in ring before. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh it was it was a it was a pretty standard match. I enjoy Sika just uh, just on a broad level. Uh it's fun it's fun to watch him. He's got a very like I don't want to say primitive cuz stereotyping. That's yeah, that's he, an oofy, but he's it, it's it's basic. Let's it's yeah, that. it's it's base it's straightforward and I yeah, like he's that. Just, he's just punching and kicking ass. Yeah, it's it's cool. He gets the dub. The crowd doesn't seem all that like into the fact that he won. It seems like a whatever from both sides. Because... I thought I thought I heard people booing. Probably because Sika, I believe, is a heel, so Boo. they probably were. But uh, Moondog Spot, um, he I I said he was a cross between like the kind of guy who makes moonshine in his bathtub and the guy <laughs> and the guy who speaks for the trees. <laughs> yeah, he did kind of give off Daniel Bryant vibes uh aesthetically and I love yeah. it. He's wearing these like dirty jeans like and he's hillbilly-esque but then he also has this ridiculous blonde hair and his this facial hair like reminds me of the Lorax. So... Yeah, yeah, it's legit. I mean, he's a lot more beardy than the Lorax. Lorax is mostly mm -hmm. mustache. Right but he was whatever again yeah, i've he never cool. heard of this guy before today so <laughs> says a lot about his legacy yeah he is he uh, it was i i yeah not a particularly remarkable match but i enjoyed seeing sika again my boy won yay yeah and so then the next match is outlaw ron bass versus special delivery jones special delivery jones That's... right <laughs> special delivery jones a longtime jobber character he's kind of famous for he was the original in the original shortest match ever in wrestlemania history in oh, the shit. very first wrestlemania he lost to king kong bundy in 18 seconds though they did try to kayfabe it and say it was like nine <laughs> but that was the, like the standard of like shortest mania match ever until like WrestleMania 24, 
I want to say is when they intentionally sh- broke that record. <laughs> but yeah, get all, the, why is he called Special Delivery Jones? I mean, I guess I don't know exactly, but he does wear this oh. jacket that is like a lot of like um like stamps that you'd put in the passport. Yeah. All over it. Look, basic tenuous character concepts for the jobbers. At least he has, you know, at least he has a concept. Most jobbers concept are just exists. I am here. I I am a human who is going to be in this ring for a hot second before losing. Yep. So it's fine. Uh, You got uh, people were the crowd was kind of into SD Jones when he was uh, really getting that big comeback. He's throwing the big punches. Like, people are getting into him. Again, weirdly competitive matches here. The squashes aren't just boom done. Mm-hmm. We're actually getting to, like, to like jobber matches that have some substance to them. And un- yeah. unremarkable as the match was, I do appreciate that about, yeah. about uh, jobber squashing in that respect. Yeah, kind of what they do is the story beat here that they try to play is that Mul- is that uh, Ron Bass wins with a back elbow uh, like Blackjack Mulligan does. And uh, Black Jack Mulligan, as a reminder, is also a cowboy character. And so you get the announcers, both the ones that were at calling the match and then Heenan and, and Gorilla afterwards, like mm-hmm. talking about like Ron Bass versus Black Jack Mulligan and who's ripping off who and all that drama. <laughs> so presumably down the line, they have a match between the two. I mean, it seems logical. It's like Ron Bass is a cowboy character who's a heel and Black Jack Mulligan is a cowboy character who's a babyface. We got to clear the Why air. Why not? We got to clear the air. Yeah. So the next thing up is the WrestleMania contract signing. And I feel like this is the time that I want to mention like the, 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 the gorilla Bobby stuff that I remember the most is from mm-hmm. like the first few bits of this episode where they're talking about it and they do this whole thing. And like gorilla is talking about how like he's been watching Andre training and training camp. Yeah. And he's like, wow, this is like the most Im- physically impressive I've ever seen Andre the Giant. Uh, but then he's hinting that he sees a weakness, that he sees something. He doesn't say what it is on commentary, uh, on the show at all. And we do get this pretty funny bit where like right before we get to the contract signing, Heenan tries to pay off Gorilla to tell him what he saw, <laughs> what we yeah. saw. Like he he's like yeah can so how much for it and he's and the girl's like what are you talking about like well you know you you were you were saying that you saw in the training camp you saw and you saw something well well uh, how much for it to tell me what it is and the girl's like I'm not gonna tell you that you're his manager you should know yeah and then and then, and then Bobby tries to backtrack and be like well I'm just his manager I I don't I don't do the training I don't have time for that I do the business <laughs> I got people to do the yeah. Uh, which which gorilla tries to impute him for it. It's like motherfucker delegation of responsibilities. It's legit. I'll take it. Sure. So then we get the WrestleMania contract signing, and uh, this is as I hinted at uh, at the beginning of this, a whole lot of a- interesting acting going on, dude. In this scene, what cracked me up the most is the entire time during the signing, Hogan is just like vibrating. <laughs> he is. He's like. He's like he's getting he's getting real mad. Like he's exhaling. He's vibrating. He's, his eyes are bugging out. And he's just like glaring back. And it, it like it gives me vibes of that one meme. That's like the the one like like neck beard weeaboo meme of like mm-hmm. master, forgive me. 
I have to go all out just this once. Like that's the vibes I got from Hogan. I'm just like, like, like again, Hulk Hogan to me, removed from what it's supposed to be in kayfabe, he reads to me like this emotionally stunted jerk. He does. Who, like who who doesn't understand how to relate to people outside of him being like this star persona center of attention. And so like he's reacting to Andre in this way that like media tells him somebody like him should react, which is like the badass. It's like somebody told him he's got to be mad. Yeah. Like, like this feels like a kid who, uh, who watched uh, like Avengers infinity war and thought how like star Lord freaked out on Thanos was the most badass shit he'd ever seen. <laughs> And was like, okay, so if I'm across the table from, like, some big dude who's wronged me uh, and things are calm, I just need to, like, it's super cool if I have this, like, boiling just above the surface rage going that I, like, yeah. unleash when the time is right. It's so cringy. But it works. It works for what we appreciate about Hogan, not for, like, what they're actually going for. Yeah, this, what they're going for is, like, some righteous anger at the betrayal yeah. so we're gonna ignore that because that's boring what we're gonna talk is. about is clearly how we've reframed this whole angle and how this fits in and in my book it fits in almost like we talked about last time how hogan almost has this crisis of faith with himself faith yeah. of faith with himself as i think is crisis of face is a good way to put it too dude hey you're right hey uh, so it's 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 like he's like scare it's like it's like he can't understand how 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 he could be betrayed like this why yeah. he, why he what did he do wrong and we talk about how if hogan had any self-awareness but then he then this could be really compelling but yeah. don't worry hogan doesn't have that level of self-awareness and this feels like the next step in that where yeah. now he he's went he's it's only been a couple of weeks, but he sure processed his his like grief fast because now he's just pissed off and like in in that cartoony way that he thinks that's what he that he's got to act like to be mad. And he explicitly says like he thought it was Heenan messing with you man, but not nah, it's both of you. So it's like he's instead of taking any self-reflection that maybe he's the baddie He's determined. <laughs> he is determined. <laughs> Just imagining his face on the camp. <laughs> are, are, are we the baddies, brother? <laughs> are, are we the are we the baddies, brother? <laughs> <laughs> but yes hogan instead of even considering that he might be the bad guy here he's he's already determined well clearly this means that andre's just a piece of shit like oh he's turned on me clearly he's the bad guy here because yeah. i'm hogan so that can't be my fault so andre's just a bad dude and i'm yeah. gonna, and i'm gonna kick his ass like he this is what he's defaulted to 
there is such a compelling accidental story going on here. And I know we've been beating this dead horse yeah. for two episodes now, but like, but it really, and it, it strikes me from Hogan's end, but in a, in a, in a much subtler way, it really strikes me from Andre's end because this whole time, Andre has this quiet dignity about him. It's not because like he doesn't read as sinister in any of this. He reads as a man who's finally found some level of self-actualization uh, exiting a toxic friendship. And he has like this, this strong, quiet confidence that I just respect the fuck out of. Yeah. And obviously what they want you to think is he's like this now cold, calculated monster. Who, That's good. Who sacrifice his friendship oh. for that for pursuit of gold. Oh my god. I I wanna like do a treatment on this dude. I wanna like write a version of this where where like the things that we appreciate about kind of like what's accidentally going on in the story intentional. are like are intentional and we get a great like final moment where like Hulk loses it all and has like either some sort of like come to Jesus moment or like ultimate like humiliation and defeat. Cause that would be like that could be one of the most compelling stories ever told in the format of wrestling. If they just had the balls to do something like that. Mm -hmm. oh, but no, Christ. this is all very basic. Hogan is yeah. good guy, must beat bad guy. Yeah. There's also a great moment where, where Andre, like this is probably my favorite moment in terms of like, you know, it's supposed to be Andre's a dick, but it just reads as Hogan being fucking unhinged. Is like Andre after Hogan's like ranting at Andre. Yeah, Andre speaks he, he up. He repeats a lot of his same points that he's repeated before. So yeah, he speaks up, and then he like he he gives off a few sentences in French. And again, it feels like for Andre, it feels like this empowering moment for him. And Hogan, deeply vibrating, gets up and is like, "You speak English when you're talking to me." And it's yeah, like, his eyes are bugging out, his head shaking. He's like shaking his finger in Andre's face, and it's like. Bro, chill the hell out. But he gets so goddamn mad that that Andre is speaking a language that he can't understand. It's, it, oh my god! <laughs> and uh, some other some other great moments from this contract signing is they they show off how serious and real this is by having Jack Tunney call Andre Mister Ruzimov. Yeah, which is of course his real name. Mm. and we get then we get um heenan revealing that um he has demanded that a new wwf title be made because it is simply too small for poor aunt for andre it was a it was made for a man hogan's size but andre yeah. is too is too big he needs a, a new title point. belt it's a good point it's totally fair I, yeah, no, good good job looking out for your buddy, Brain. I, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Hogan, yeah, as we as we say, Hogan, he gives off his rant, and then Andre goes like, Are you, you think uh, I taught you everything I know about wrestling? And then he starts talking French, and Hogan's like, you, you, you talked, you, you speak English when you're talking to me. Yep. And then Andre gets up, and he then, oh, oh, first Hogan goes, this contract, it wasn't signed in ink. 
it was signed in blood. And it's like, but it was in fact signed in ink. No blood was spilled in this, in this, in this contract signing, sir. <laughs> I know, I know. He's, again, he's so fucking self-righteous and it's like, mm-hmm. shut the hell up. You're so full of it. Yeah. And then Andre in response to uh, Hogan being like, you speak English when you talk to me, is he gets up to leave and he goes, au revoir. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, again, it's fucking empowering for Andre. I'm here for it. Yes. Let's just get Andre exclusively speaking in French at this point. Eh. But that is, so that is the contract signing. You know, not a lot of broken ground there, but I still think a pretty fun segment overall. Yeah, no, I mean it, mm-hmm. it. It again, it felt like it felt like the 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 baby inkling of we understand how to like do shit. We really started to understand how we how to do shit for TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it because like it felt like this this segment felt like something out of like a scripted TV show. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the the not just like how it was like acted, but like like the 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 set felt like a legitimate set. Uh, they because they were doing it in like a boardroom essentially, like a yeah. mini boardroom. Uh, the the way the shots were framed felt like something from like a multi camera TV series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a really it was really cool to see like the beginnings of like kind of how they do modern like backstage promo cutting. Yeah, because at this point in time, you know, it's still very traditional wrestling, so all the stories are stuff matches that happen in the ring, and then like giving an interview whether it's backstage with an official WWF interviewer or like on a fake talk show bit. Mm-hmm. And this is none of those. This is like, this is like a real like story segment that is not that at this point in time was still very, you know, novel concept. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty kind of, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I, I appreciated the segment for what it was. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, enjoyed, enjoyed the backwards, uh, the backwards world of of what we were supposed to appreciate versus what we actually did. Always. Yep, Best that's how the, that's how that's how this whole arc's gone. That, that's us. my favorite. That's my favorite part of this arc. It's becoming one of my favorite arcs because of that. Yeah. Uh, um, and then kind of the rest of the episode, aside from you know, like kind of what we've been talking about with like Heenan versus uh, versus Gorilla kicking into overdrive. Um, it's kind of standard like rest re- rest of the episode. There's not a whole lot of like uh big boy story shit going on no there's not uh next we get the wrestlemania report uh that kind of reaffirms all the 11 matches i mentioned at the beginning of the show and then the newest match and i believe the final one they add is jake roberts versus the honky talk man at wrestlemania fair enough yeah and not only that we get the reveal that in Jake Roberts' corner at WrestleMania will be uh, international rock star Alice Cooper. Yeah. Yeah, which is, that's cool. I like seeing Alice Cooper pop up in places because he just gives me good vibes. Yeah. So, like, like, interesting they got him. Um, Mm -hmm. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, so we, we they show off all the, the, the celebrity guest appearances um, they're going to have. As we talked about Aretha Franklin earlier, Alice Cooper will be at Mania. Um, and then at, for the main event, we'll have guest ring announcer Bob Euchre, who's a legendary baseball announcer. Yeah, he was really high. And also, he's a heel, apparently. 
He actually isn't like he's kind of he's te- he's more baby faced than heel when he when you see his, di- his varying appearances. But this time he he like is with Bobby Heenan. He's all like excited with Bobby Heenan, and Bobby Heenan's like you're going to announce the new world champion Andre the Giant, and he he gives no attempt at a pushback of this. Yeah, and he's, he's just, just like he's yeah just man whatever. He's just here to have fun, and he like tells Bobby he loves his outfits and if he can he try on the jacket because uh, Bobby's wearing one of his red sequin jackets and Bobby Heenan still has to play the heel on this. So he says, yes, he puts the jacket on Euchre. And then after like two seconds, he's like, okay, that's enough. I'm taking it back. Yeah. I mean, it was a little big on, on Euchre. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, he saw if it fit. It wasn't a great fit. So sure. He took it back. I see nothing wrong with this. Yeah. And oh God, I'm on a run. I'm, I'm on a ironically pulling for Bobby Heenan's oh, shit. No. Oh man. Oh, what, what has become of me? Yeah. And then we get, uh, the promo with uh, the guest ring timekeeper, Mary Hart, uh, host yeah. of Entertainment Tonight. And we get her and Jesse Ventura, who, uh, Ventura, what a look. This man doing this promo bit, uh, shirtless with suspenders on. Uh, my kind of guy. Yeah, and he's and he's lying. He's trying to be like, you know, Mary, you know, at WrestleMania, I'm going to be up in the booth. So you're not going to be able to look at me. I'm not not look at my sexy body. I'm afraid you're going to have to keep an eye on the watch. He's wearing a watch and he like points at it. And Mary Hart tries to get in on this. And like she like casually mentions like, well, you know, this is a lot different than when we were talking late at night last night. (laughs) And then but then she like tries to get serious and actually do a plug. (laughs) You know, I do appreciate her playing this like mm-hmm. it's totally consensual. Yeah, it's yeah. It's so rare to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate that she's into it. Weird as that sounds. Yeah. Especially with fucking Jesse Ventura. But Oh, yeah. She loves the body gorilla. Dude, dude. Jesse Ventura. Like I said to you over watching, he points to Jesse Ventura for fucking consistency of Dude character. has never changed. Dude is, uh, he is a dependable motherfucker, and I respect mm. that. Yep. And then, unfortunately, we don't get a promo with Aretha Franklin, and that was very sad. I know. I was so hoping for that, dude. Like, I was like, okay, no way they actually get Aretha to show up. No, they, like, they, they, Aretha Aretha is showing up at Detroit in Detroit and she's not showing up anywhere else. I mean, fair, fair. She, she, she do be, I'm pretty sure she's from there. Uh, is she? I don't know. I, I thought, because I thought her funeral service was in Detroit, but I could be crazy. You have to think, look on that later. Yeah. Uh, other than that, the WrestleMania report just kind of uh, repeats everything that I mentioned in the front half. Never mind, she's from Tennessee, but she died Ooh. in Detroit. That's what it was. Okay. Ah, okay. Then we get to our next contest. Corporal mm. Kirchner, who despite yeah. who is pandering to the crowd in Toronto by care- coming out with a Toronto flag, with a Canadian flag. Yeah, I appreciate the pander. And then we get uh, Johnny K-9 and Slick. Uh, Slick explains that this match was supposed to be Corporal Kirchner versus Butch Reed. Uh, unfortunately, Butch Reed got the flu. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know how legit that is or not. Nice. And so instead, you'll get Johnny K-9. Uh, and as I mentioned to David, what interesting timing this is. Because Johnny K-9, uh, for those of you who don't know, was a jobber for a lot of the WWE for the WWF in the mid in the late mid to late 80s. And after he got out of wrestling, 
uh, he got involved in organized crime. Uh, he was a member of the Satan's Choice Biker Gang, one of the most infamous biker gangs in uh, in Canada. And he was he went to jail. He was convicted of assault, uh, trafficking cocaine, and bombing a police station. Though, as the story goes, he was actually trying to bomb a strip club, but his co-conspirator uh, decided to make it to attack the police station at the last minute. Uh, he was yeah. also tied. He was also accused of, but not properly um, convicted of, uh, uh, the assassination of multiple people in connection with the mob. Like mob, uh, it's some mob tie shit. And yeah. to be honest, I do not know if he actually killed those people or not. I, uh, it's not. There's not a lot of evidence I, to go on here, so like I can't. I can't. He was he was uh, convicted of the other stuff. All either right? way, so there's can, some there's some yikes going into this guy. We're not like we're we're not like uh, on kind of a personal level. We're not at like quite Benoit territory. But no, nah, like, I don't. I don't want to Benoit this up, dude. It's up there though. He's yeah, kind of up there for. For all that sort of shit. Kind of, I'm not going to Benoit this dude, but it is still fucking wild. Yeah, yeah, and a little disturbing. Yeah, anyway, he's here in this match. Uh, he's a fun enough jobber character. He He's throwing up the X's, because that's his thing. Yeah. Again, again, like we were talking, we were talking during the match. Like he gets up, like in the corner on the rope and does an X, and it just literally feels like a precursor to Triple H slash D Gen X. Yeah, like, yeah, he's he's the first member of D Generation X. I really want to know, and like, uh, look, I know, I know. At present, we still don't get a whole lot of like consistent listeners to the show, but like, if anybody knows, like, if that was meant to be, like, uh, uh, uh if if like D Gen X was at all like homaging this dude for any reason, maybe the same, maybe, maybe the hand sign, but pr- the name is a joke on generate on Gen X. No, okay, no, that I know, but I also mean like the getting, like the yeah, the, the getting up the yeah, maybe the hand. I don't know. Yeah, they might have yeah. got where I don't know where they got the idea know. to yeah. think of that. Yeah. But you know, the match is fun enough. Uh, Corporal Kortzner is our is all right. I'm not used to seeing him in a, in this prominent of a position, so I don't really know a lot about him. Yeah, he won a match with a Samoan drop, and I was like, what the fuck? Because I've never seen a non-Samoan win a match with a Samoan drop. Yeah, that's an interesting choice. Like, it's the one, like, culturally named move that is almost exclusively done by the people from the culture with which it is named. Like, German suplexes are not done only by Germans. The Everyone does an Irish whip, etc., etc. But Samoan drops are like, only Samoans do those. Yeah. Um, and win, anyway. And I was yeah, like, whoa! Yeah, I don't know why they, this dude did that like yeah they even call out on commentary like hey you know you are samoa his samoan co-workers are usually the ones who win that match with with that move like i just i don't like like what's going on here is what like like was mm-hmm. was like was like finessing other people's finishers a thing in this era at all not really and again i don't know enough about corporal kurtzner he's not a he's not a high profile character in general so like i don't know a lot about this guy so i don't really know like does he always win with a Samoan drop? Did he win this match with one for a particular reason? Yeah, I I don't know. It, it, like they don't. He doesn't seem like that important of a character to like do, make any comment on this being meaningful. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he does have a really long spot where he threatens to stomp 
stomp Johnny in the balls. Yeah, honestly, I really got a kick out of this match. The whole thing was like cartoony and fun like that. Oh, it was like, because Canine is a very cartoony kind of a jobber, and Kurtzner is also kind of a dork. So yeah. he's playing along. So it, it was a fun match. They had a good, they had a good energy. Again, Canine got to actually pose somewhat of a threat, actually be competition to to Kirchner. I this was fun. Like this was like the first like legitimately like fun match of the night for me. I I had a really good time watching this one. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was cute. Uh, Again, yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. Uh, but then we get the match that was too short. Uh, the Can-Am Connection and Lanny Poffo against the dream team of Brutus Beefcake and Greg the Hammer Valentine and adorable Adrian Adonis. Which which uh, started off like pretty impressively, actually. Yeah, as um, I mentioned, as I mentioned to David, like uh, this is the every match before this was on a Toronto house show, and it kind of mm -hmm. feels it. Yeah. And this match was they they filmed this for television. They filmed this mm -hmm. for superstars of wrestling. This yeah. was on their A show, and it felt the and you could feel the difference. I think. Mm -hmm. Well, again, that that's what I've been talking about this whole episode is like mm -hmm. filming for TV. We're really starting to get a feel for that, and like, God, it had a cool it had a cool feel to it where. There was momentum building, um, some really cool spots. Uh, one of the Can-Am Connection guys kept trying to go for Beefcake, and Beefcake just kept fucking jumping over him. Yeah, Beefcake's showing some athleticism that I kind of always forget he has because I'm used to him just kind of being shit. Yeah. <laughs> in his later career. So I kind of forget he actually was really good at one point. No, the, the, everyone here seemed pretty talented. They are. Um I mean, the 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 kind of cheapest one here was was Adonis. Um, mm -hmm. He's he's really getting into that whole haircutting thing, dude. It's kind of yeah, weird. Yeah, he, he's getting he's he now has a match. It, it's that thing in wrestling where like when you start having a gimmick match planned, you suddenly you suddenly become obsessed with the gimmick, as if to remind <laughs> the audience about it. So like now he has a hair versus hair match on the horizon. So now he's just breaking out scissors. And start cutting hair just to remind people. Well, you like, said hey. this goes into like a whole like thing for him, right? A thing for beefcake. Because, oh, but we'll, we'll it's getting to the end of this match is that it ends when um, Adrian Adonis pulls out like uh, hair cut, like barber scissors to cut the hair of one of the Can Am connection. I think Rick Martel is who he mm -hmm. was trying to get. But yeah. somehow he cannot tell the difference between Brutus Beefcake, who is in bright yellow and black gear, and yeah. the and and Rick Martel, who is in white gear. He can't tell the difference somehow, and he accidentally cuts off. They they try to sell it like he cuts off a huge chunk of Brutus Beefcake's hair, but he gets like a snip. Yeah, before we move on, and but they try to sell it as if he like cut this dude's mu whole mullet off or whatever yeah and like and that distraction of beef being like what the fuck dude why are you cutting my hair and then um martel rolls him up for the win do yeah do, 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 do. yeah and yeah it, it like looney tunes its way into like this really abrupt ending when it was like i was excited it could have been a lot more i was i was pretty excited about that match too i was getting really getting into it and I mean, there's a cool, I like the story beat here, especially when, uh, spoiler warning, this kind of helped facilitates Brutus Beefcake's face turn into becoming Brutus the Barber Beefcake. 
And so that's kind of neat to get to see that. I, I actually really had no idea how I like, I know that beefcake turns face and becomes the barber. And I knew that he starts his career as a heel in this dream team stuff, but I did not know how he transitioned to babyface. And well, I guess I see that here. Is he had a bad, he had a traumatic experience getting his hair cut. And then he becomes a babyface who cuts other people's hair forcibly. Yeah. I'm not sure this character is as morally upstanding as I, as they want it to be. Hold on. They, man, the face of this era are all a bunch of motherfuckers. They're they all really are a into... bunch of dicks. Yeah, they're all kind of assholes, but I guess people in the 80s enjoyed that because it was bad. Except Ricky Steamboat. He's a good dude. Yeah. <laughs> He's a good guy. Uh, so that's the match. It's too short for my liking. Uh, Same we, here. I want we do get more. we do get another Lanny Poffo poem. And he calls Adrian Adonis a fat slob. <laughs> sure. Poor, poor Adrian. I mean, I guess, I guess the fact that he doesn't do any comment on Adrian Adonis being effeminate is as good as we're going to get with that one. Yeah, which I still don't get. He doesn't read as very effeminate, but okay. Again, they're I mean, weird about. They're yeah, weird about of how much, things. how much, and how little he does that for sure. They're weird about all of the things in this era because mm -hmm. it was the 80s and a whole lot of bigotry went unchecked. Sorry, boys. Hey. Uh, then we get the next match, uh, Billy Jack Haynes and King Kong Bundy. Uh, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was all right. Yeah. Uh, for as long as it is the 2021 football season, I will comment on the fact that Billy Jack Haynes dressed in his Oregon Ducks gear and yeah. fuck him. Go Bucks. Go Bucks, baby. Also fuck him for not being in a Donald Duck cosplay. Hey, so, you know, it's, 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 it's also kind of a short one, but it, it, they, they do some big beefy boy things, but eventually Billy Jack gets King Kong Bundy in the full Nelson. <laughs> And it's like, oh no, what's Bundy gonna do? And so Heenan runs in and attacks Billy Jack Haynes, calls a DQ. God, it's so like this is the one thing I'm like, Heenan, buddy, why? why Nobody are, can lose. Why are you DQing your own boy? Because it's either that or he loses. He figures that's the bigger, the better, the better loss with dignity. No, than, it's less dignified. It's a you're cheating. You're smarter than that, Bobby. Uh, then Hercules Hernandez shows up to also try to kick Billy Jack Ains hat. Yeah, Jack he's Ains ass. here too for some reason. Yeah. I guess the family takes care of themselves. Yep. Uh, we get we. It's at this point in the show we start talking a lot about like, hey, the, the Billy, the Hillbilly Jim, Haiti Kid, Little Beaver versus King Kong Bundy, Little Tokyo, and Lord Littlebrook match at WrestleMania, and it's like, oh, great. <laughs> a lot of a lot of talk about little people around here. It's not great around here. But they, we do talk about the story. the The story going into this match is the fear that, like King Kong Bundy, who, if you don't know, is like four hundred and fifty pounds. They, everyone is afraid that at some point in the match with the with the little people, he's just gonna like sit on them and squash them. And yeah, them. Vince makes a point of explicitly calling that out. It doesn't feel great. That that is that is like the beat of the story beat of that match though is that like he's gonna try to squash uh, little people and why? the hillbilly is going to not let him. Oh why? I hate it here. Anyway, why next up. So weird about little people. 
Any, uh, anyway, next up. Yeah, next up. Uh, Pedro Morales and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Uh, Paul Orndorff, who uh, Gorilla Monsoon is intent on calling Benedict Arnold. It's really annoying. I'm sorry. It's just fucking annoying. I'm with Keenan on this one. It's a little rough without any context to it. Like, I know the context. In the well, not even, not even with heel. Even with context, he just like he just keeps saying Benedict, and it's so annoying and self righteous. And go shove it up your ass, gorilla. <laughs> uh, and Pedro Morales is kind of a neat little watch because yeah, he, he's a legendary. He is. Though. He uh, he is one of he's kind of one of the forgotten champions in the wwe because he comes from before the tv times and if you look at the before the tv times champions it's like bruno bob backlin and <laughs> no one else but yeah, in between no. those but like pedro morales was wwe champion for two for over two for two years eight months from february 1971 to december 1973 because i do remember watching like uh every like wwe uh wwf champion ranked video mm-hmm. and yeah i do remember Pedro morales from that and i if i recall correctly i think it was cultaholic was the was yeah the, that does sound yeah. like one of the videos they did uh, um they had really they had really good things to say about him they were mm-hmm. like they were talking him up if i recall correctly yeah, he is definitely a legend in wrestling. He's just kind of a forgotten one because WWE doesn't like to talk, doesn't talk a lot about their pre-80s wrestling and the ones they do. It's like, who are the guys that they still have around to hype up, which is Sam Martino and Bob Backlund. Sure. So they'll talk them up and everyone else just fuck off. Yeah, but I mean, he, he was pretty good in ring. I don't think, I, this match wasn't like anything spectacular, I don't think. But like yeah, you, can no. see, you can see the both guys were good at least. Yeah, yeah. And it ends when uh Bob when Paul Orndorff <laughs> gets the win. And it's a bit weird because they try it, it's supposed to be played off like he like got his using his foot on the ropes for leverage, which obviously you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh unfortunately, there is no good camera angle of him doing that. Oh my so god, the camera get, work in this episode. Sorry, keep keep going, then I'll then I'll rant about the camera. Yeah, sure. So you get Gorilla Monsoon, who is sitting ringside doing commentary. He does see the foot on the ropes, so he does call it out, but then he has to like check watch the replay cameras, and he's like, Well, he has to admit that there's no video footage. <laughs> yeah, he's like, uh well, you're just gonna have to take my word for it. Yeah, basically. <laughs> But you were saying about the camera work on this. God, the camera this whole time was such ass, dude. Like the the whole like all the way through. Like first of all, these cameras were fucking grimy. You could see like visible shit on them. Like they were. Like I I don't know what was going on there. Um, and to, uh, like on top of that, um, so many of these moves, like to me, because okay, this is again fun little. Fun little uh, uh, um, features of David still being very noobish relative to, like, Austin's wide breadth of knowledge of just how wrestling works is, like, there were several moments to me in several different matches that looked like full-on botches to me. I think, like, K-9 versus Kirchner was the one where I was, like, the first one. You call this out because Kirchner does, like, these ridiculous like, jump into the headbutts. Yeah. And then he also does a falling a falling punch that doesn't even come close to landing. And like David called that out as a botch, but like, that's how that's supposed to look. 
Yeah, so they're just catching it from these shit angles that expose right. how fake this is. Mm-hmm. There was there, there was several moments of that like throughout throughout the episode of like camera, what the fuck are you doing? And then when we get the when we get the 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 Mister Wonderful versus Pedro Morales match, like when we're supposed to have that, like it, it always confuses me when they have like the person's foot was on the rope, but they still get the win anyway, and we're not really going to see any like comeuppance from that. It always confuses me like why they do that. But here they had that moment and they cut to the cam and on the cam, you'd see Jack shit. It's not like last time. It's not like when we did our uh, Muppets episode and we were talking about like, uh, 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 fucking Del Rio's little stooge whose name I can never remember. Ricardo. Yeah. Ricardo getting fed to Mark Henry and like we the miss the move time, completely. The first time we miss the move, but then it cuts to the replay and we see it just fine. Here we miss the we miss the foot being on the rope. Like the closest we get is like is like his foot goes up, like kind of. Yeah, like you can see his leg is rope, extended, and but you can't can... see it making any sort of contact with the right. rope. And we cut to replay to for Gorilla to prove his point, and we still don't see it. Uh, no, they use the same camera angle they showed live. It's like head on, yeah. Um, which it's so ridiculous. And the weird thing is, is they have the camera angle that could have caught it because, because to show how he, he like, what happens is Pedro does a move and then Paul Orndorff rolls him over. So they have the camera angle where he does that and you can see his feet. And if you stuck on that camera angle, you would have seen whether or not he put his foot on the rope. Yeah. But they don't, they cut to the angle where you can't see his feet. Like it's a Rob Liefeld comic, <laughs> and and so like you, it, it's weird. Like they try to do the bit because he oh Horndorf that cheater winning unfairly, but then you can't even do it right because you don't have any video evidence for the audience to be able to see him cheating. Yeah, uh, it, it's 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 again the cam- I don't know what the camera guys were on this week, but it was mm-hmm. it was. The, all the way through, I was just fucking embarrassed by the camera work yeah. on multiple levels. Uh, get good, camera guys. Come on. Mm-hmm. And then our final match, the Heart Foundation versus the Killer Bees. <laughs> Before we get there, I want to say is that I didn't, I don't think I n- thought about it until like right now. But there is a distinct lack of interviews in this episode. Yeah. Like our last couple of times watching primetime wrestling, there's at least a couple of interviews with guys. Obviously, not like after every match or everything, but there's this, mm-hmm. they just sprinkle them in, these little like interview bits. And this episode has none except for the contract signing. So we're just going match, 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 match. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, I mean, I even like had a moment here where they were doing the few interviews that they did um during this um during the with, wrestlemania report yeah during the wrestlemania with the, report with the, with the guest um, hosts yeah i i honestly like i've talked before about how like the interview segments feel weird compared to like the more modern um um uh like backstage promo segments um but here it did kind of start to like feel uh like, like the way they did it here felt kind of legit as these um because because they were they were promotional they they were like distinctly promotional and it was like these personalities clashing with with people who were like you know brand new to the scene and who were hyping up as like part of WrestleMania it felt like 
the, the interview segments felt like the most natural they felt like uh mm-hmm. well, well at the very least like when you're doing them in front of like you know just the wwf pattern backdrop yeah um you know if you have something like uh like the piper's pit or or is is jake's is jake roberts the snake pit or the viper's pit they're the snake pit the snake pit yeah the the, the piper's pit or the snake pit like that that's kind of its own thing but like just up uh just up above like the the like flat pattern wall uh those did feel like kind of nice and natural and i appreciated their placement in the episode mm-hmm. and, and i didn't even fully register the, the lack of all the others here yeah I, I i just noticed it going through this list of what happened i'm like wait yeah match to match to match to match but again like we have monsoon and and uh and heenan um Mm -hmm. as kind of our substitute for that and they are they're so fascinating to me as like as like stand-ins for like major promo shooting they they've they almost feel like in some ways these accidental main characters of these proceedings like the like the 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 head uh, above it all watching down and they're their moral conflict for the ages is uh is 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 like carried through in every single match. I mean, they almost I mean to, to take, take stick with the Muppet stuff this month. You know, there's, there's an almost Statler and Waldorf. A little bit. Oh, in terms of their role in the show, which is to just stand up there and comment on the show. True, but I think they actually they like accidentally take on a much more prominent role, at least mm-hmm. kind of like from how we're doing this arc. Of of like their their feud is kind of at the center of all of this because they find a way to make every single match personal. Yeah, um, it it helps that Heenan has like half the people that half the heels that wrestle on the show under but, his family. Yeah, and right. Monsoon will just stick up for whoever is, is yeah. you know face enough. Um, but, but yeah, they always got something to say about every match, and they always set their set the the battle lines between them. Yeah, they're, they're, this is like this is like their this arc's version of promo cutting in a in a way, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of in some ways enjoy that more than I do like the standard promo cutting because again it fig- it gives everything this through line. It all mm-hmm. feels like it doesn't feel disjointed. Um, like uh, like uh, I've talked about eighties and nineties episodes feeling in the past where we're just jumping constantly. Like it feels more like kind of the modern episodes where we find a way to have a through line all the way that this is what that feels like to me and it's 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 really it's a really interesting phenomenon again completely accidental i think in terms of like what the effect ends up being um but really cool nonetheless yeah anyway our uh, is our final match uh, the heart foundation and the killer bees uh <laughs> nay is b brian blair and jumping jim brunzel i forgot his jim brunzel the first way through uh, I'm sorry, his name isn't alliterative like B. Brian Blair. Uh, so, fair, fair. Sorry. Uh, so B's, my God, uh, <laughs> their, their gimmick is what it sounds like. These these dudes come in here with in the red and the in the yellow and black. Their trunks are like a bee. <laughs> I love their yep. their get up. It's so good. And the Hart Foundation come out with Jimmy. And Jimmy Hart explains that this tag match was signed before the Hart Foundation won the tag team titles. And they've thought about it. And the uh, bees are not getting a title match tonight. It's going to be a non-title match. Uh, Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, 
yeah, the, there was a certain like level of like glee to to Hart declaring that. You know how he does. Yeah. Um, but but I I enjoyed I enjoyed this match uh, overall. Like I love Hart, Hart Foundation. They're obviously great, and bees bees were pretty good opponents to stack up next mm-hmm. to them. I'd never heard of these guys before. Yeah, and, killer, the Killer Bees are a fun athletic tag team. And I God, I love their outfits. I love, I love the '80s leaning into how cartoony they were. Um, when they, when they actually like, when they actually did that, there's something that's so fun about it. Sometimes with the aesthetic, like, like, I like how dorky they both look. That sounds so backhanded, but I mean that like, uber sincerely. Like Hard Foundation, I've talked about this before, but like, I love how in this era, Hard Foundation, like, they they get to be dressed in like pink. They are hearts. The you know and and the bees are done up like like bees and they they have like they have like black and yellow striped butts uh and uh like tennis like 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 tennis shoes black and yellow tennis shoes that look like they belong to somebody from like a modern show. I liked I liked looking at them. It's it's probably a very stupid and vapid thing to say about these matches. I just liked looking at it. Yeah, it, they're they're fun. Um, we're kind of continuing the beef between the Bulldogs and the Hearts because their their beef isn't over, and like we get this long arguments about what was done to the Dynamite Kid. Which, again, knowing the real life implications of what ha- of what of what happened there, it feels a little gross that we have to that we're like going this hard at a kayfabe explanation for it. Yeah. Didn't though it though it, though it is funny when Jimmy Hart decides to insert himself on commentary. And at one point, Gorilla steals his megaphone. Yeah. To be like, this is what took care of what is what took out this right here is what took out uh uh dynamite kid. And Jimmy's like, get, get it on my get it on megaphone back. Yeah. It uh the I, I mean that's it's just it's just dumb shenanigans. And again, like like the, the faces act like dicks here. Mm-hmm. It's so stupid. Yeah, okay, speaking of acting like dicks, so late in the match, you know, this it goes a lot how this normally goes. The hearts are some cheating douchebags. The bees are trying. The ref yeah. can't keep up with everything. At I know. One point, hey, hey, we don't have we don't have Danny Davis here to keep Jim Knight the Jim Knight and Hart in the corner. Yep, we proving that Danny Davis was in fact an impartial referee. <laughs> yeah, seriously. This is what happens. Yeah, so the bees go outside. And apparently they just had these planted down here. They throw on two masks to, to obscure like their identities. Masks, and I'm like, okay, cool masks, bro. But also you look like dicks for doing this like Bella Twins twin magic in this match. <sighs> well, because like, again... I guess who cares if we are cheating if we're the faces? Why are they getting away with this and why is the audience okay with it? Yeah, I wish I could tell you. But that's that's the way this the law of this jungle works, pal. If you're the baby faces, you are always correct. And if you are a heel, you are always wrong. Sure. I guess. It is, it do be like that. Uh, the match ends in a pretty cool move, though, when um, Jim Neidhart has got one of the bees down and the other bee jumps up on the tur- top of the turnbuckle and does like a top rope sunset flip to get huh? to, to make, to turn 
Nightheart over and pin him. Never seen that before. It was really cool. It was it was it was a great finisher. Uh, mm-hmm. They did so they did some cool stuff, kind of like rolling around um, to like see who got the pin ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ultimate winner is the bees. Yes. So the bees have pinned the tag team champions. Oh shit, buddy! They're contenders. Oh they, they no! Must, they got to be contenders now. True. Uh, I don't. I, I'll be honest. Don't. I, I've never really loved the pin the champion to get a shot at the champion trope because it feels a little redundant. Because it's like, oh, like, oh, like it works. Sometimes it works sometimes, and I think they it made does it, work they made, here. they made it work in Women's Revolution. Mm-hmm. And I think it works here in the sense that, like, they set up this notion of the Heart Foundation explicitly kind of screwing over the bees by being like, ha-ha, no title match for you, neener, neener, neener. <laughs> and then the bees beat him anyway. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. It was a nice touch. Uh, But, so, otherwise a fun match and a nice way to end the show. Uh, And our way out, we get one more Heenan and Gorilla segment where they're talking up uh, the celebrities at WrestleMania three and eventually, and, and, and Heenan tries to suggest that Samantha Fox will be at ringside for the Harley race JYD match. Now for people who don't know who that is, uh, I did some research into this to make so I would know is Samantha Fox was an extremely popular pinup model in the, in the 19, in the Britain, in Britain in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. She was uh, apparently one of one of the most seen women of the era of the age, according to Wikipedia. So, the, so Bobby Heenan is out here suggesting that a very that a that an attractive pinup model is going to be here at WrestleMania for his gr- family's match, specifically. And girls like, oh, give me a break. <laughs> of course, of course. Hey, I would want to be there for for the family match if I was an extremely attractive pinup model. I I don't know what Gorilla's on about. Sure. <laughs> what better match to be there for? I think it's a great. I think it's going to be promises to be a great match. There are some good people in that family, dude. Don't yep. diss them. Yeah. So that that comes to our end of primetime wrestling here on March uh, the second, nineteen eighty seven. You know, it, it we're it, as we mentioned at the top, uh, a bit of a holding pattern episode because now all the matches are set, so we're not doing anything. No, no, it was pretty, it was pretty, like, basic and standard. But I did, I did appreciate, like, again, the, I, I appreciated the, the, the kind of stepping up of, of fighting quality. Um, I appreciate, again, all the accidental bullshit we got going on with, with, like, the, the deep, the deep emotional side to, to Hogan Andre. And I, I enjoy, I, I, I've, Come to really appreciate the the primetime wrestling format as a as a, a emotional moral through line uh to everything to everything that's going on um i thought it would just kind of be like meh at first when we were doing this mm-hmm. but like i've come to really enjoy the enjoy this format as like as a part of the era yeah, uh, I'm just gonna go ahead and say because again, we're not gonna be revisiting primetime wrestling for the rest of this time that we're doing this arc here. So mm-hmm. I'll just go ahead and say, is it honestly like I also agree that primetime wrestling has kind of exceeded my expectations in terms of how fun it's been to watch these episodes for this show. And like I, I've been kind of wondering how we're gonna do more older arcs on this show because mm-hmm. superstars of wrestling isn't readily available on Peacock. 
And like, I, I would be totally down to continue to kind of work, go through Deuce older storylines through primetime wrestling. I, I would too. I enjoy, I enjoy this format. I enjoy, Mm -hmm. I enjoy the back and forth between Heenan and uh, Monsoon. I think they have a really good dynamic. Um, probably one of the strongest in all of like kind of commentary history. Yeah. Oh, um, absolutely. Uh, re- re- jog my memory. Um, the, when we did invasion of planet WrestleTopia, the, the answers in that were, were Heenan and monsoon send ups, right? They were monsoon and Ventura send ups. Oh, okay. Okay. Because at this time, at this time, uh, right. The big match commentary group t- t- team was monsoon and Ventura. Ventura even kind of as a reference that in this show is that he'll be doing commentary at WrestleMania three, not Heenan. Oh, oh shit. Unfortunate. Um, but either way, I enjoy this format. I enjoy these two together. I have developed a surprising love for Bobby Heenan as a character. Um, yeah. This, greatest this- manager of all time. I know this has been a good time and I'm really hyped for WrestleMania three. It's one of the legendary ones for good reason. And they've done a pretty good job of setting up kind of the big highlights. Yep. Uh, but for now, that will be the end of that. And so next time we return to Lucha underground, it will be our episode that debuts on Halloween. If I have my calendar, right? And I'm pretty yes. sure I do. And what could be scarier than the underground fight club where murder happens? <laughs> Arguably nothing. Not a damn thing. Right. I, 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 I am scared. I'm very, I'm very excited to, for things to get spooky uh, mm-hmm. in Lucha. They always, they always are. There's always some supernatural bullshit going on. It feels appropriate enough. Indeed. And so what will, we will be watching uh, the next two episodes of Lucha Underground starting with episode 21 of season one, Uno, Dos, Trace. Ooh. Oh. What could it mean? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting because it's always interesting. Yep. And so with that, with that, all that said, David, hit our plugs. Yes, sir. My dear, wonderful, close personal friends. Thank you all so much for once again tuning into another episode of the Noobs and Knockouts podcast. If you are a returning friend of ours, thank you so much for welcoming welcoming us back once again into your eardrums, your eyeballs, whatever you use to consume our content. We are uh, we are happy uh, to to have you share this time with us, uh, and we hope you continue to do so. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. We are so happy to have you here. We here at the Noobs and Knockouts podcast like to think we are friendly to both noobs and knockouts alike. Um, so whether you're a veteran of the wrestling fandom or someone who's just discovering this wild, wacky world for the first time, we hope you feel welcome here. We hope you've had a good time. If you have, and you would like to continue to have a good time with us and you're not entirely sure how to do so, not to worry, my friends, I have you covered. First of all, you can find us on YouTube. We are the Noobs and Knockouts Podcast on YouTube. Hit subscribe, ring that bell, make sure it turns a nice little solid color so you get notifications every time we drop a new episode. Like comment uh add us to your playlists uh uh check out our playlist it's really cool on our youtube austin's been kind enough to organize every single uh arc of ours into its own separate playlist so if there's a very specific era company whatever you want to follow our time with uh you can do it in a very distinct organized fashion it's awesome check all that shit out uh it's super cool uh and in more recent episodes we've gone we've gone video 
uh, you can see our beautiful sexy faces along with it. So there's a little added visual component, which is going to be really fun mm -hmm. next time because we're going to be we're, we're, I've, I've co-host awesome to wearing Halloween costumes. We're, we're, it's going to be great. Uh, uh, I'm a sell, I'm a spooky season enjoyer. What can I say? Yeah. Um, we are also for for all you audio only nerds out there. Uh, we are also on three of the best places to find your audio only podcast, and that would be Spotify, Apple. And Google, check us out on all of those. Give us a rating, review, what have you. Download our episodes. Uh, just generally, whatever the hell it is you do on those to tell their algorithms, hey, these guys are pretty cool. They deserve some of that sweet, sweet engagement. We we love it. Uh, uh, we want to hear more of these awesome dudes because we are awesome dudes, and I think people should hear a lot more of us. Personally, I don't know about you. I'm just saying. Um, uh, you can also find us on social media. We can have three main venues for social media. First of all, our big one, the big mama of them all, is our Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at noobs and knock uh, noobs and knocks pod. That's noobs of the letter N knocks pod on Twitter. We're pointing to it right now. If you're on visual, um, mm -hmm. uh, check us out on there. Um, we just like to uh, interact with the wrestling fandom on Twitter. Drop our own spicy memes and hot takes and all of that good shit. Interact with the discourse. Uh, we tweet every single time we drop a new episode to keep everybody updated on what the hell's going on with our show. And of course, the big draw highlight, what have you, of our Twitter is Austin live tweets his live wrestling watching experience every single week. My friend, what is on the docket coming up? Yes, of course. Uh, first of all, every single week, uh, I live tweet AEW Dynamite yeah. because it is the one wrestling show I'm definitely watching live every week. So why not make some content out of it? It airs every week, 8 p.m. Eastern on TNT and is finally back on Wednesday nights. The last couple of weeks, it's been preempted for hockey games and so it's finally back on Wednesdays where it belongs. Uh, then after, but in addition to that, we also see live tweeting of Impact Wrestling, de, um, uh, AEW, and um, uh, WWE pay-per-views. Um, as of today, of the day of recording this, we're doing this podcast, was the day that WWE did Crown Jewel. Ugh. Their shows for Saudi Arabia that I didn't watch so we can move on from that and get to the next one. Yeah. Uh, their next pay-per-view is survivor series. Very exciting. One of WWE's OG big four pay-per-views. It's coming up November 21st. These days it's now a bit of a gimmick pay-per-view where you see raw versus SmackDown for brand supremacy. Um, and at the very least, it's going to be some very fun matches. They usually do champion v. champion matches all over the place. So, Ooh. like, as an example, you're going to get to see the tribal chief, Roman Reigns, face Big E, the WWE champion. Oh, hell yeah. That's going to oh, be really kick-ass. good. Wait, you, oh, that sounds dope. And then just keep going down for all the champions. So that'll that's, that's generally what that card's going to look like. But we'll find out more about that as time goes on. Oh my god! Oh, I gotta. I want to see Big E versus versus uh, Roman uh, Reigns. Yeah, that's gonna, gonna be good. sick. So uh, good. Then, then, uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, their next pay per view is this past week. In the sense that by the time this match air, this this episode drops, they will have already had Bound for Glory, one of one of their biggest pay per views of the year. So, when is their next pay per view? I actually don't have a date yet because you know Impact only does four pay per views a year. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a hot second is what I'm getting at. 
before yeah. our, their next pay-per-view. Uh, but when we have a date for that, I will be letting you guys know. Uh, and of course, uh, AEW's big pay-per-view upcoming, Full Gear, November 13th, 2021. Uh, right now, the only match on the card is the match that you need to know about anyway, which is the AEW World Champion, Kenny Omega, taking on Hangman Adam Page. And by God, this is the night he is going to win the world title. Oh my please, God, it's going to be so good. Please be the night where he wins the world title. It has to be. If it's not, they're going to fucking riot, dude. I, yeah, there will be. I'll be very sad. But that is the big, the big hook of this show. So, you know, definitely recommend uh, checking out uh, that storyline is amazing. Maybe the best in wrestling going right now. It's very mm. cool. And I'm very mm. excited for that match to happen at mm. full gear. Absolutely. Uh, and so that is uh, what we have upcoming uh, for uh, our Twitter. Oh, hell yeah. So be sure to check all of that out. Austin's live tweeting is awesome. Uh, it, he's very insightful, very funny. It's just good mm -hmm. shit all around. I can attest to he's a fantastic person to spend time with mm -hmm. while watching wrestling. So even if you're doing it in a digital-only parasocial format, it's worth your time. Check it out. It's awesome. Uh, you can also find us at our email address. My friends, we have an email address. Ain't that cool? Uh, we can be emailed directly at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com. That's noobs, the word, and this time, knockoutspod at gmail.com. Come say hi to us. Tell us what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, what you want to see more of, less of, whatever. If you have suggestions, requests, whatever for uh, for 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 eras, for segments, for types of content in general, we just love to hear from people. Whatever whatever your feedback is for the show, you, you know, as always, how how wonderful are the dulcet tone, tones that come from our vocal cords are, anything like that. Uh, just come say hi to us. We love it when people say hi. We would love to say hi back. So. Come say hi to us at noobsandknockoutspod at gmail.com and and uh, and we'll be sure to we'll be sure to uh, to to hit you back a little bit. Uh, and finally, you can find us on Patreon. We are also the Noobs and Knockouts podcast on Patreon. One dollar a month gets you early access to episodes and a shout out at the end of each episode. See you guys next time. Hasta luego.